Man Podcast. This is your host, Lindsay Rowland. I'm really excited today about our show. We have lawyer Albert Watkins. His client is Navy veteran Jacob Chansley, who was involved in the Capitol insurrection. Today, we get a chance to hear his client's side of the story. Mr. Watkins is a St. Louis-based attorney and the founding member and senior counsel of Codner Watkins Law. Thank you, Mr. Watkins, for being here today. It's a pleasure. All right, let's get started right away. Uh, what is the current situation with your client and why is he still incarcerated? Well, those are two pretty easy questions to answer. One, um, he's in jail. His ass is in jail, sitting in a state facility in Virginia. He is um, in quarantine, not because he's a bad guy. He's in quarantine because of COVID. And he's in jail because the court and the government have seen fit to object to the proposition of releasing a vet who has zero criminal history, who is a peaceful man, albeit one who won the best costume contest of January 6th. Now, I'm going to have to object to your use of the word insurrection. Wait, wait, that was my next question. Let me ask it first. The question sure. is, um, if you could categorize this event, would insurrection be the word choice you would use or something more subtle? Well, I think for a handful of individuals that were involved in the visit to the Capitol on January 6th, I, I believe insurrection would be appropriate. When I say handful of individuals, I'm talking about a handful, maybe maybe 10. Um, I will tell you that as for the vast majority of the others who appeared at the Capitol on January 6th, it was akin to a pep rally coffee clatch on crack. Interesting. What, uh, what was your client's intentions that day? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. What was your client's intentions that day to go to the rally to? Oh, yeah. No, my client is in the common sense of the word patriot, a patriot. He loves his country. He absolutely adores his country. He is a fan of the Constitution. He's a peace lover. He is a man who is and has been for quite some time a committed shaman and a practicer of ahimsa, which is the tenet that basically follows the fundamental principle that every beast, insect, animal, human, no matter how large, how small, their life is precious. So this is a guy who is known for not even swatting the proverbial flea. He captures them and releases them. He is not a guy who is trying to overthrow the government. He is a guy who listened to the words of his commander in chief, the president. He listened to the words. He supported the president. And when the president called for people to come and support him on January 6th, my client heeded that call and he came there to support the president. He had no plan to go to the Capitol. If the president had told him to go 
walk to the Washington Monument and stand on his head and scream kumbaya out loud for four hours, my client would have done that. My client went to the Capitol, walked down Pennsylvania Avenue, believing with every fiber of his body that he was doing so at the special instance and request of my, my president, your president, our nation's president, and that he did so to help our president save our country. Nothing more, nothing less. My client wasn't wearing a bulletproof vest. He wasn't armed. He didn't have a pipe bomb. He was not wearing, having zip ties or defensive helmets or goggles or pepper spray, bear spray. The man was armed with a megaphone. And if you think our nation is going to be overthrown by a guy wearing horns, possessing nipple tattoos and a fur, you're wrong. That guy was no more an insurrectionist or a leader of a coup than my dog. Does your client still, does your client still support President Trump or? Yeah, he really is disappointed with the president. He's really disappointed in himself because being in solitary confinement, he's a bright man. He meditates, he contemplates, he's introspective. And he was forced and compelled to own his own responsibility for going into the Capitol. And he has apologized for that. He was not harmful of others. He was not destructive. He was not a thief. He was actually calling for peace and trying to stop people from being violent to stop people from stealing, to stop people from acting with disregard for for law enforcement and the safety of law enforcement. Uh, Post-Capital insurrection, the veteran extremist narrative was reported by the media, as you know. It was eagerly assigned to all veterans who participated on January 6th and broadly perpetuated by the media and fellow veterans in our community. And you know I'm a veteran. In addition to mass condemnation with little known details or statistical historical data, what, how do you feel about this narrative? Uh, well, the narrative is every bit as vulgar as the characterization of those who were at the Capitol on January 6th as insurrectionists, but more vulgar when you put it into perspective with respect to each particular that. You cannot, and this was the narrative that we were fighting and have fought very diligently to overcome, and I believe quite successfully. That was the narrative that was born of an overwhelming desire on the part of many to hang everyone that was at the Capitol on January 6th by the nearest tree. And the problem with that is you simply cannot lump every person who appeared at the Capitol on January 6th under one moniker. You can't label them all as bad because the overwhelming majority of these people, veterans and otherwise, were law-abiding. They were not violating the law. 
they were there trying to help save their country. Though even those that went into the capital, those that were in the military, that were vets, that had served our nation, that had become a part of that upon which we as citizens rely for our well-being, our safety, our security, our nation's best interests were being lumped into and categorized as un-American, as insurrectionists, as people trying to overthrow the country that they love, many of whom fought, fought for our country, many of whom put themselves in harm's way for, for our benefit. And they were, they were acting at the, at the call of their commander-in-chief. Now, what kind of nation have we become when those who are and should be so precious and dear to us are treated like redheaded stepchild on crack? It's not right. It's wrong. It's vile. It's repulsive. And what are your thoughts on Congressman Gallego has come out and said that all the veterans that were involved in the insurrection um, should lose their should lose their veteran benefits or their disability benefits. How do you feel about that? I think that he needs to grab the nearest, sharpest piece of broken glass and shove it right up his rectum. That's what I think. That's my opinion. You cannot label everyone under one label, under one name, under one insulting, vile name. What does a fair trial look like? And is there really going to be such a thing with these cases? And how would these? I, I have to hand it to the Department of Justice. They are tasked with a very difficult duty. They worked really hard. They moved really fast. Unfortunately, they moved so fast they weren't able to keep up with a very fluid investigation. As a result, what you're seeing now is the Department of Justice becoming more focused, understanding and appreciating that which I was extolling at the outset of my representation of Jake, which is not all these people were bad. They were our neighbors, our friends, our relatives, our, our, our colleagues at work. And they're focusing on those who truly did have nefarious motives. As a result, when you're looking at trials of people like Jake, while they're charged with a lot of things, you're going to find that the government's going to be working and whittling down those charges. It's tough to defend against a trespass charge when you have 2 million miles of video footage showing my client where he should not have been. But you have to ask yourself, was he really trespassing if the president invited him? That's a whole nother question. But I do think you're going to see a disposition of many, many, if not all of these cases. The government knows that, no, they're they're going to have a very difficult time finding a jury that will unanimously convict someone who appeared at the Capitol. At the same time, the defendants are aware that it'll be very difficult to unanimously garner the, the acquittal from a jury. So what you're going to find is, I believe, a lot of plea deals that are worked out for misdemeanor offenses. 
And do you think it would be beneficial to go first if you were to go first to trial or to have your hearing first or, or later on in the process? When, when uh, will there be mass punishment, do you think? I, yeah, no, I think what you're going to find is that there's trepidation on the part of many to try their case first. I, I wouldn't be afraid of it um, because every day we're learning something more, which means to me the government's going to have a really tough time. And think about it. You have the government by and through its Department of Justice prosecuting individuals for following the lead of a former president who was prosecuted by our government for inciting them. So the message the government has sent out is that you as a citizen, you as a vet, you as a member of our nation's Roles of citizens have no right, no right to believe the president, no right to rely on the words of the president. And if you do, you're going to jail. Now, last time I heard and last time I looked, there are no thought police in the U.S. You're entitled to your belief. In fact, our vets, my ancestors, your ancestors, you have served and fought to protect that constitutional right. And we lost a whole lot of boys and girls doing so. And to have our government do what it's doing right now, sending this very confusing message to all of us is appalling. And how do you feel about the knee jerk reaction by the secretary of defense how do you feel about him um, doing the stand down for extremism in the military as a reaction to this? Was that in a knee jerk reaction or do you feel like that was necessary? Um, I, I, I don't want to be casting specific aspersions. I will say it's really difficult for a lot of people to understand and appreciate that what they saw on January 6th in a one dimensional sense as they were looking at the TV, that gave an impression to all of us that was pretty appalling. It was pretty upsetting. But at the same time, you can't make judgment calls based on what you see on a screen. Every case, every person who's been accused, every person who is there, you have to drill down and you have to really reliably and professionally scratch the surface and find out what was really happening. Yeah. What was, was that statement a knee jerk reaction? That's a fair characterization. I don't think it was a, a, a nefarious statement, but I don't think it was one which was fairly made at a time when all the facts were known and he should have known better than to make that statement then. Yes, yes, it was definitely it was definitely a knee jerk reaction, I believe. Um, what are your thoughts on former acting District of Columbia U.S. Attorney Michael Sherwin's 60 minute interview where he suggested that some of the rioters could face sedition charges? And then the article later read that a judge scolded the Justice Department over this interview that appeared appeared to violate Justice Department rules. And Sherwin is now under internal investigation. Yeah, it, it, uh, as lawyers, we all have duties that are professional in nature. And as an advocate, you have a duty to 
zealously represent your client. If you're with the Department of Justice, you have additional professional obligations. And there are internal rules, regulations, policies that need to be abided by to ensure that the integrity of the Department of Justice is maintained. Now, that being said, the question is whether or not what he said really amounts to something which violated those policies. Remember, having been on 60 Minutes, having seen it, we all have, they are billed as a news magazine, but in fact, and in truth, they're driven by viewers. Revenue that generates, that's generated by virtue of the number of viewers they have. They are entertainment. They edit their interviews. They do it in a fashion which is very professional, but it doesn't necessarily mean that what you're hearing is being properly contextualized. I don't think it's my place, given the statement was on 60 Minutes, to base a judgment call about someone's professionalism, knowing that it was edited. I, I don't know exactly the context, what was said before, what was said after, whether there were qualifications. And, you know, let's put it this way. The Department of Justice is having a tough time right now. They're doing the best they can. They could do better, but they're trying. Yeah, and your client also was on 60 Minutes as well. Yes. Um, yeah. Do you feel uh, like they did you do you feel like they portrayed him accurately in that in that small segment? Um, I think they tried. Um, and, and I think there's a professionalism employed there to give both sides of the story. But, you know, in 60 minutes, you got 20 minutes, half an hour. You know, it's it's a dog and pony show. My goal, my objective was to make sure that my client got widespread visual presence without his makeup on. Because one of the arguments of the government was my client was a flight risk because nobody knew what he looked like without his makeup. So the day before the hearing, the 60 minutes piece ran and millions of Americans saw him without his makeup. We didn't have to argue that at the hearing. It didn't give rise to a successful outcome, but nonetheless, that argument was neutralized. Yeah, I definitely think that 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 worked for that that 60 minutes um, show. Can you walk me through the process of initially asking for a pardon from President Trump and yeah, then yeah, go, go ahead. ahead? No, go. Please go ahead. So, uh, you know, when when Jake was in jail, you know, he was he was enthused. He was still highly motivated as a patriot, as a lover of his country by the words of Donald Trump. And he was convinced that Donald Trump would pardon him and others who like Jake were peaceful. And he asked me to specifically reach out to the president. And I did so directly through his chief of staff. And I said to Jake, I said, don't hold your breath. And indeed, no pardon was forthcoming. I wasn't shocked, but part of that internal introspective reconciliation by Jake needed to go through the process of giving our former president the chance to do what Jake described as the honorable thing and pardon those peaceful people who came to his aid. 
And when Trump walked off in the sunset with Lil Wayne and didn't pardon his supporters, the people President Trump said he loved that were beautiful people, my client was disappointed. He remains disappointed. That does not mean he does not support many, if not most, of the policies that were endorsed and pushed by Trump during his term. And to this day, if you see a 60 Minutes piece, yeah, he'll own up to being disappointed with the president, but he's very supportive of what the president did. Do you think if these trials were occurring during a Trump administration, they would play out differently? Of course, of course. First of all, we we would have seen a, a dog and pony show out of the executive office that probably would have been unrivaled, unparalleled in history. You know, the president did have the capacity to communicate in a fashion which, for better or for worse, by design or by accident, was highly effective with tens of millions of Americans. And we can't deny that. Whether you voted for him or not, whether you support him now or not, he remains a force. He remains a voice that many tens of millions of Americans listen to and support. Yes, I definitely agree. And I think you and I have both talked about that. I was actually at the Trump rally um, <laughs> that day. So um, a couple of tough questions I want to ask you, or maybe not tough for you, but uh, I just want to get them out there. Is your client part of the QAnon movement? No, no. He is a supporter of many, um, many things, but he's not violent. He doesn't believe in insurrection. He does not believe that you should undertake anything that is going to hurt or harm others. He's supportive of law enforcement. He believes in free speech. He believes in peaceful protest. He isn't shy about letting his opinion be known. He does believe many theories and many, um, many of the tales of woe that do fall under the umbrella of Q. But that doesn't make the, the name Q Shaman was actually given to him. He, he didn't, he didn't, that wasn't his. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think we can all look in the mirror and say, you know, some of this is harebrained stuff, but not all of it, you know, and we all have our opinions and we're entitled to our opinions. And the minute our nation ceases to permit us to have our opinion, we cease as a nation to be the United States of America. And is your client a white supremacist? No, <laughs> um, for the thing from it. Um, yeah, his, um, his embracing of life does not permit racism or supremacy based on melanin content to be a part of his life. And where does the note play in that he left for Pence that said, it's only a matter of time, justice is coming? Sure. If you read the transcript of the words spoken by the president on January 6th, he said, not verbatim, but something very similar. And the, the need for justice is something that is very near and dear to Jake. 
something that he believes is a core tenet that should be observed by all of us, justice. And so what he wrote was akin to, but not verbatim, to that which was spoken by President Trump at the ellipse an hour earlier. Yes, I remember. Um, and then some some conspiracy theorists have said that your client was a paid actor in all of this and that this was staged. What would be your response to that? Uh, my suggestion to you is that his bank account will prove otherwise. My suggestion to you is that my client felt this was something he was called to do. My client felt this was his duty as a patriot, that this was an undertaking that he pursued to help, to help his president, his commander in chief, our nation. If this was about money, this shaman would not be in jail. And what else do you want our listeners to know that are that is not being told in the news right now? Yeah, every one of the people who walked down Pennsylvania Avenue with very, very few handful of, of exceptions were people who they weren't possessed of a criminal background and a history and a, an objective that was nefarious. In fact, but for the words of the president, their president, our president, they wouldn't walk down Pennsylvania Avenue. They weren't in D.C. knowing that the president was going to say, we're going to walk down Pennsylvania Avenue. They were there to support the president. And one of the things that nobody's talking about, but it's out there, is our federal government is sending this horrible message out to all of us that you cannot and have no right to believe you are president. And don't you dare do what he calls you to do. Imagine, imagine if that was the message in the 60s and early 70s in, in Vietnam. Imagine if that was the message that Desert Storm, all of our, all of our, all of our armed force members said, you know, I, yeah, I, I don't believe him. I, I don't want to do it. Imagine when the president says that we need to unify as a nation to defend ourselves against terrorism from abroad. What if we said, you know what? If you believe the president, you're, you're going to go to jail. I don't think a Democratic Party president, a Republican Party president, or anyone else who's president really wants that message out there. And I don't think anyone gave it much thought until now. And now they're not talking about it because the common American, me, sitting with a six pack of beer in my Barco lounger on my front porch, you don't have to have a doctorate. You don't have to have a college degree. You don't have a high school degree. It doesn't make sense. This is not the nation we know. This is not the nation we grew up with. This is not the nation we were taught about. This is not the nation 
that our forefathers fought, shed blood for, and died for. This is, this is not America. And we better all look long and hard at what our government is doing. Not because they're all nefarious and left-wing liberal, let's, it's because they're not doing the right thing. They're not thinking, they're not thinking this through, they're not doing what really they should take pause for thought to analyze before they act. And unfortunately, this quagmire we're addressing now is a function of moving too quickly with that knee-jerk reaction at the outset, the same knee-jerk reaction that gave rise to the horrible slander and defamation of vets and, and our, our members of the armed forces who were there on January 6th. Do you think that Trump feels any remorse or takes any responsibility for this? I, I don't speak for President Trump. Um, in many respects, I'm not sure that any two people hear the words that he says and hear the same thing. You know, he, people made fun of the fact that he didn't speak in complete sentences. He had his way of communicating. What his thoughts were, I think we can all safely say that when it came to matters involving our nation, its security, its soldiers, its vets, he felt very strongly. And I think his actions showed during his term that he would do anything to help our armed forces. The actions of January 6th and, and, and the, the behavior of the president leaving the, leaving the office, people like Jake and others who are peaceful, they should not be where they are. No way. A person culpable, quite frankly, that's something we as a nation need to look in the mirror and figure out where we're putting our priorities. Why do we want our resources to be deployed to go after those who have been deployed. No, I, I think that's definitely something that, that needs to be thought about, that needs to be thought through. Do you think that him, Jake, being a veteran will, will help or hinder your case, or is it irrelevant? Um, I think when all is said and done, it will help. I think it was, um, I think it was a hindrance at the outset because of the knee-jerk reaction to lump these vets all under some label of insurrectionist and violent and trained and my God crazed, you know, uh, just a pathetic. Extremist, white supremacist, yeah. like the list goes on. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate your time today. And is there any last minute thoughts that you wanted to share on this case? Nothing. Yeah, would you do me a favor and send me a link to your podcast when it gets out there? Yes, definitely. And I really appreciate you um, giving us the other side of the story because I don't think it's being covered um, in the mainstream press. So I appreciate your time today. And uh, thank you. It's a pleasure. Take care. You too. Thanks for listening today. Check out and like Carry On Podcast Facebook page and find us also on Instagram. Don't want to miss an episode? Subscribe on Apple or wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a show idea or a case that needs some advocacy or some legislation you want us to look at? 
hit me up at podcastcarryon at gmail.com. Thank you for being with us today. And we look forward to you joining us next time. 